there's someone you should meet. Thanks for listening. Um, I'm glad you're here because there is someone you should meet. If you've ever had the chance to go to an AM football game, uh, my guest today uh, will show up on the Jumbotron to give you your, your forecast for the day. So, and during the week, he's the chief meteorologist at KBTX News 3 and Brian College Station. So, in short, if you run into a scorching hot day or a crazy storm during your drive, this is the guy to blame. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the great Mr. Shell Winkley. Shell, uh, we're for, yeah, former co-workers from way back, and now you've gone to be kind of the, the face of uh, KB, KBTX uh, weather, weather team. And yep. now you're, you're a local celebrity of sorts. You have the blue check next to your twi- Twitter account. Um, you're, ver- you're verified. If someone, uh, if you're out at the store or out, just out in town, wherever, and someone recognizes you, what's the most common interaction that you have? Uh, people tell me I look a lot shorter than I do on TV, but that's mainly because they make us all, you know, if you put me up next to uh, Max Crawford, uh, our morning guy, you uh, you would know how, I'm not short by any means, but he's so tall. So that's kind of the biggest thing I, I think that we get the most. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, that's kind of what I love about doing weather is that people, they'll come up to you and it's like, we're friends, you know, they've been watching for, I've been here for 12 years now. So they say, you know, you're part of our family or we eat dinner with you every night or things like that. Uh, so I love that aspect that people, you know, have gotten to know you through TV and already feel comfortable enough to come up and talk to us. So I, that's my favorite part really about the job. Do you ever uh, run into a complaint, you know, if the forecast didn't go, go as uh, planned or people being one, like, hey, let's, let's slow down there. My, my forecast is pretty good. All right, Josh. Hey. Let's slow down. <laughs> it's, you know, I'm just uh, saying, you know, those once in a blue moon times where, you know. No, you get a couple. And it's funny how it happens because they'll, you know, uh, recently somebody was like, hey, you know, could you get the, could you get the forecast a little closer or, you know, just, just a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's, it's pretty close, but like. Don't get me wrong. Like our, our, our gold standard here is, is plus or minus three for the temperature, right? So you want to be within that three degree range. When it comes down to it, is 90 that different from 93? You know, like that's kind of the, should we be on top of it? Yes. But like, we'd like to give it to you, the whole spectrum, the impacts, if you will. Um, exactly. But yeah, it's, you get a couple of folks who, you know, they'll say what they mean. And that's, that's totally fine too, because it, it makes us better, I think. So, so when I, uh, yeah, so when I was there with you, it was back in the early 2010s, which is crazy to think that that's, you know, <laughs> a decade ago now, you know. But it was a, it was already. It feels like so much has changed already just since then. We had the, you know, we had the old school, you know, hand not handheld, but you know, there was a camera operator. Cameras. Now and yeah. now, you know, you're the current studio. It's all digital. You have the great huge you know bit you know big digital screen behind behind the anchors yeah i guess even just in the yeah in the last 10 years or so how have things changed both just from the new show in general to like to how you cut how you cover the weather throughout the week so i mean one when you worked there i think we were still four by three like standard definition right 
Yeah, yeah, I think yeah so, so like, like so once we upgraded, uh, the Brazos Valley got to see how ugly I really was when we went to HD. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's changed. You know, when I first started there, you were working, you were dragging those giant cameras around <laughs> and you had to move them around yourself. Uh, and then we went to the robotic cameras, which we still use today. So uh, I like to say, you know, folks in control where you were, um, it's kind of like playing a video game. So everything's coded. The entire show comes down to code. You know, the, the directors will go through and put the code in. That means where the, you know, what the camera should be pointed at, where the camera's going next, whose mic needs to be coming on. And it's a lot of it's done there. Uh, and the biggest change, I think, between the time you and I worked together at KBTX and now is that there used to be people on the floor to tell you where to look, where to move the cameras, uh, when it was your turn to go. And now it's all done through earpiece. You know, it's all mechanical. So, um, it's all, it's not automated per se, but it's, it's different in that regard. Uh, when we first got those robotic cameras, uh, production used to like to mess with me and turn them all and like make them follow me and stuff like that. So that was kind of creepy. Yeah. I, 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 for one, accept our robot overlords. Let me just say that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think in terms of changing how, how I've done weather, the biggest change in the past 10 years is a couple of things. One, Technology has gotten so much better and our science has gotten so much better. So it used to be like three-day forecasts were good. Five-day forecasts were a little dicey. And then we got better. Five days, three days were great. Five days out, okay. Seven days out, a little dicey. Now we do a 10-day forecast. And those 10 days, you know, not perfect when you get to like day eight, nine, and 10, but they're pretty good. Um, so the science has evolved so much better and... We can do it in such a higher resolution that we can we can really get down to the basics. Um, if you think about weather on the large scale, we cut up the, the the world into grids, and some of those long range models use big squares, if you will. So if anything falls in between those squares, you kind of miss it. But if we hit those lines, those grid lines, you can pick it up. Now we have such high resolution models that we can pick up summer thunderstorms before they happen, which is great. Um, in terms of how we cover the weather, that's what I think is the most interesting part about this business is that when you wake up in the morning, Josh, and you want to know the weather, do you automatically wait around to find out what it is on TV? No, I hit, I go to your Twitter account or, fa or Facebook page, you know, sure. or, People, or, an you app, know, or an app, you know, to go. or an app, right? Yeah. So you can't look at TV weather anymore as people waiting around at, for five or six o'clock to come to know what the day is going to be like tomorrow. In this world, if you want to know something, it's easy to find it. So we have to be in those spaces, um, which is Twitter. Most I like Twitter because it keeps it all in the timeline. Facebook kind of chooses where you put it. Uh, but we've got a lot of folks who only get their weather generally through Facebook. We do Facebook lives twice a day. Um, and those are great because you get to interact and answer questions and dive further than you would on TV. But the biggest thing about it is you can't expect people. Let me start again. When people come and turn on the TV, you should expect that they already know what the weather is going to be like, whether it's because they watched yesterday. And again, forecast is pretty good day to day. So it's not going to change that much um, in most situations. So they either already know because they watched previously or they already know because they've looked on their phone. So what we do on TV now is the why your app is great but 
your app can tell you that there's thunderstorms, but your app is not going to tell you if there's going to be a tornado with those thunderstorms or, you know, the precision of it's not great because it's mostly just based off of the computer stuff. So that human element is now to explain why it's happening, to give you more detail about it and to help you get around the weather so that your life is, is less inconvenienced. Right. Um, so I think that's, what's interesting about TV weather going forward is not so much a forecast based. Here's your day. Here's the hour by hour. Cause we still do that, but now it's more of the, here's why this is happening and here's how it's going to affect you. And that's, what's kind of fun about it. I think. Yeah, it's it's been incredible to watch kind of the advancement of the science and technology as you de- describe. If you, you feel like if there's a storm, if there's a storm taking place, you're able to zoom in like on you know specific parts in the storm and be able to describe in intricate intricate detail what what is happening and able to portray that to the viewer. As that has advanced, I guess when new technology and new science comes out, is it on you and the team to like? find that and be able to implement it. You know, if there's a new technology, it is on you to bring that in or does, you know, the news station find that and bring it in. What's the process of kind of being on the lookout for, you know, for new developments within your field? Uh, Yeah. So it's definitely, I mean, like any other profession, right? Like continuing education is the most important thing you can have. You know, if you've got a doctor who graduated in 1990 and they never learned anything new uh, it would, be scary if they try to operate you on like 2022, right? Um, so there's a lot of continuing education, a lot of webinars, a lot of, you know, I'm pretty active in the AMS, which is the American Meteorological Society. Um, so we have conferences every year that we go to. Um, and it's just kind of being the weather nerd that you are to keep up with it, more or less. Um, and then the company that we use for what you see on TV, the graphics we have, um, it is insane how much data we pull in and we have at our fingertips to put onto TV, right? But of course we can't use it all because then it's just a big data dump and nobody gets a good forecast out of it. So that's another part of having that human element is to know what works well and how to explain it well. Um, but yeah, the the data that's around is, is crazy. And it, again, it's only getting better, um, which one looks prettier on TV uh, but two is more helpful because um, the better radar data we get, the the better we can tell you, hey, there's a, probably a tornado here and it's likely headed here. You know, we've always been able to do that, but now we're being able to do it with more precision, more or less. Are you able to write any insight on what the future looks like in that field? Like, is there anything developing that may be com- coming up here in the next, next few years that will become even more part of how you forecast? So, yeah, I mean, they're always increasing uh, the models. And to be honest, like (laughs) people much, much smarter than I am that can, you know, work with these crazy physics equations and stuff like that. Um, I think one of the coolest technologies was isn't quite there yet, but it's getting there and they've been working on it for a while. So, we have something that's called the HRRR. If you follow on Twitter, you know, I talk about it a lot because it's it's a high resolution rapid refresh. So basically we're getting a look 12, 18 hours based on what's happening now and then modeling out. Um, and that up, updates every hour. But there's some, the Storm Prediction Center is working on some modeling that can take the tiniest blip on a radar. So not even like a storm yet, just like a tiny little shower is starting to form. 
and modeling it out so fast that they're trying to predict, is this storm going to become tornadic? Because right now, if you can get a couple minutes lead time on a, you know, on a tornadic storm, that's great. If you can get like 10, 15 minute lead time, that's awesome. But this potentially could give you over an hour lead time on issuing a tornado warning. So people don't have to scramble to get into their safe place. We can say, hey, if you live in College Station, there's a storm out near Lake Somerville. And there's a chance in an hour it's going to be here. When it is, it's going to have the capability of producing a tornado. So if I can give people an hour lead time, I mean, that's life change, life saving and, and just life changing kind of technology. So um, it'll be interesting to see where we go. I think there is a day, I think there will always be a human element to weather, but I do think that there's going to be a day when forecasting wise, the computer is going to be able to handle a lot of it as we get better with it. Wow. That's, inc that's incredible. My first exposure to whether, you know, just re really thinking about the weather forecast and what's to come is, of course, by the cinematic treasure. Um, we all know as Twister with uh, the late great <laughs> Bill Paxton, the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman. And uh, it that was I think that was like the first movie that scared scared me because it dealt with right. nature. I was like, <laughs> oh, a tornado can come. And now and then for like a year, probably long, probably longer, if you ask my parents, if there is a tornado, watch a tornado warning. I thought that movie was happening in our town. We were about to get, our house is about to get Cows destroyed. Cows fly by. <laughs> yeah, so, let me tell you. Um, so uh, the first week of, of meteorology, so my freshman year in Texas A&M, uh, that first Friday, they locked all of us in the O&M building on the first floor, all the freshmen. And they basically, we, we watched the movie and they would pause it at all the like wrong things, right? So there's one part where uh, he yells, he's like, the storm's going that way. And like the flag's blowing in the opposite direction. So obviously it's not. Uh, and they pointed out that he was wearing an OU hat. So that's probably why he you know didn't know which way the storm was going. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's great. I grew up on, there's a movie, it was on, man, I don't remember if it was Fox Family or ABC Family. It's chained. Now I think it's, I don't even know what the channel's called anymore, but freeform. Maybe. There's a the yes, freeform. Uh, there's a there's a gem, and I, I implore you and everybody listening to go watch it because you can find it on YouTube for free. It's called Night of the Twisters, and I think it had Devin Sawa in it. Oh, uh, yes. It is the acting is terrible, and there's there's I don't know. Just go watch it. It's phenomenal. That's kind of that was my first uh, movie that I watched. That I was like, oh, that's a that's a lot of tornadoes. Um, but yeah, I was kind of the same. Like I was, I was terrified of, I grew up in Lubbock when I was a small kid. So we had a lot of tornado warnings. Um, so that kind of is how I started because I would, I would watch, uh, he's still on TV. His name's John Robinson. Um, I'd turn him on, I'd pull out our family Atlas and put it on the kitchen table. And I would try to track the storm, uh, to make sure that it wasn't coming to our house. Um, I was, I was scared, man. Uh, so that fear kind of just took me to the library and I started reading up about weather. And then now I love to chase them and go out, stand in them and all that kinds of stuff like that. Do you remember a time when the fear of storm started turning into more passion, you know, being fascinated by it and wanting to pursue it? So I don't really, I mean, just kind of like learning about it over the years, but I remember in high school. So I, I grew I graduated from Venus high school. Um, and we lived in a, in a manufactured home, as did most people in Venus. And there was 
a storm and it, it produced a tornado at the end of our streets. And I remember like not taking shelter because I think, you know, this is 2002 or 2003. So we didn't have cell phones to tell us. Um, we had a weather radio, but I think we had satellites. So the storm hit, you know, you knocked out the signal. So we were just there, man. Like we were just in our house. And I remember telling my mom, like, I want to go chase the storm. I didn't have a radar. And, you know, again, we didn't have the, the luxuries we have now with radar on our phone or a computer you can take along. Um, but I think that really set in motion, like the importance, because like we weren't where we should have been at all. And these houses got like knocked off their foundations and tipped over. And so I think that was kind of my moment of like, oh. Um, and it was it's interesting because when I first set off to go I picked meteorology. Yes, I liked weather a lot, but I, you know, and I, I talked about in high school, like I'm, I'm going to major in meteorology, but the only reason I picked weather was because my dad wouldn't let me come to school as general studies. Like he was like, I don't want you going and just, you know, goofing off. You know, my dad was very strict, like military dude. Um, so I picked meteorology and it was between A&M and OU uh, and A&M gave me a, a, a pretty good scholarship. So I was like, let's go to A&M. I didn't know anything else about it. Um, and I wanted to go to be a storm chaser. This is before uh, storm chasers came out, before YouTube, all that stuff. Um, and then we got the storm chase while we were in college. And uh, I got the internship at KBTX. Um, so I realized a couple of things. One, I like talking about the weather. Uh, and two, I like looking at myself, which is what all you pretty much do on TV. Um, but no, I, I like talking about the weather. I like talking to people about the weather. Um, and that's kind of how I, I switched and decided to go into broadcast was through that internship uh, at KB. So. so you mentioned you got the storm chase in college. Was that set up through the university or through, you know, internships? Yeah. How did that go? So most colleges, so again, the AMS, um, they have student chapters and most, most schools have them. Uh, so within that student chapter, which is called TAM scams, there's a, there's a subset that's called TAS, Texas Aggie Storm Chasers. Um, and back then, again, different because you didn't have cell phones that could give you radar and stuff like that. And if you did, by the time we did have that, it wasn't good. Like cell service wasn't good still, right? Or it was still like uh, edge network, like before 3G. Um, so how it would work is we would, and they still do this, but a couple of days out, you've got forecasters and they say, we should target this area. You've got a team that's going to actually go out. Um, and then you've got Aggies, this is all student led um, and student run, but you've got people back at the O&M on campus uh, and by phone guiding those those chasers around telling them where they should go. So that was interesting and it was fun. Um, and that took me, my first job in Amarillo, um, that was kind of one of my main jobs since I was weekend meteorologist. I was the first one out the door to storm chase most of the time. Was there, a, was there ever a close call or one experience you, you remember from, from that time from chasing? Yeah. So it's, a, uh, yeah. Uh, it was, uh, it was either Memorial day or labor day. Um, but it's funny because I was with one of our photographers and we, to preface this, the, the storm chase vehicle we had was a, was a super cool soccer mom van, right? Like decked out kind of a little bit, but it was beat up. Um, but we got in the car and she said, Hey, just to let you know, I will drive as fast as we need to go. You just let me know. And I said, cool. Okay. So we went, uh, we went north of town, north of Amarillo. Uh, and this tornado, like this funnel kind of dipped down and it was spinning and it was lowering, but it was very slow. 
And we probably sat there right next to it for 10 minutes, just waiting. And I said, okay, this thing will probably, you know, eventually it's going to move up the road to a, a town called Dumas. I said, let's, let's get in the car and let's go north and we'll just watch it come our way. Um, because at this point it was open country and, you know, population centers are going to be more important. Um, so we get in the van and we start driving north and there's a big, uh, dirt field next to us. And I look over and this thing all of a sudden rapidly just kind of like in a rope fashion came down and like dirt's going like crazy. Right. And I go, Hey, you remember when you said you would drive fast? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, you, you should, you should drive fast. Like you need to go. <laughs> we, oh my we took off. Uh, and again, being this old soccer mom van, uh, eventually when we got, you know, well ahead of it, we pull over and the, the catalytic converter were so hot that we almost started a fire like in the grass that we had pulled over into. Um, so almost two disasters in like a span of 30 minutes, but it was, it was fine. It was good. Um, <laughs> That was fun. My, my chief, uh, his name was Doppler Dave Oliver. He, he actually took some of the footage and he took a still frame of it, uh, of me on the phone, on my old flip phone. Cause again, this is back in the day. Um, but walking away, the funnels behind me, uh, talking on the phone to him. Um, so that was pretty cool. That was a cool one. So again, my main, my main background is watching Bill Paxton chase, chase these things. When you're out there, is there technology that as you get closer, is able to track it, track it better. What's kind of the, the goal and job, like as you're nearing a tornado or a severe storm that, that you're chasing and going after? So for us personally, like in the broadcast world, um, our job is, is safety, right? Like it, the main goal of everybody is life and property. Right? You want to, that's, that's the weather service motto. That's what we're trying to do. Um, so for us, it is ground truth one um, to get out there. So the radar can tell us so much, but we, we still need eyes on the ground to tell, you know, I can say like, Hey, the radar says that there is a tornado and it's trying to at, at least form, you know, there's times when you look at it and you say, that's a tornado. We can see the debris signature. We know that there's a tornado on the ground. We had one that passed through Franklin a couple of years ago uh, in Robertson County. Um, and we saw the debris ball. Like we knew that there was a big tornado on the ground. Um, but two, I think, you know, one, we are very desensitized these days, right? Like we've seen a lot of stuff. So if I show you colors on a screen, that's great. But if I can show you that that tornado, like I can put a camera and show you the tornado people, you know, it's, it's been proven through, you know, people are more likely to react to an actual tornado and video of a tornado on the ground versus just some colors on a radar. Um, so that's kind of our main purpose to be out there and to alert the weather service so they know. Um, but there's other people who go out for research. So kind of like what you saw in uh, in Twister. You know, I don't know if there's actually a Dorothy out there that sends little tiny balls with yeah. Pepsi can <laughs> propellers on it. Um, but they've, they've got uh, radars that are on flatbed trucks that they can put out there and get low level spin. Because really it, when it comes down to it, we know a lot but we don't know what's happening in that very bottom part, which is where the tornado is really going to form. Um, so there's a lot of people that go out for, um, for science too. When you're interning at KBTX, starting to prepare, you know, prepare yourself for that journey ahead. Did the TV to the TV side come naturally to you <sighs> and, pra and practicing trying to get better? Or was that, you know, a work, a work I... in progress? I was terrible. I was awful. Um, 
And it's funny because we still have a couple people who worked at the station when I interned um, that still work there today. And we talk about that every now and again. Uh, my favorite piece of advice, uh, <laughs> I never did this, but my favorite piece of advice came from somebody in production because I just, I couldn't, you know, and most interns, like it's, it's, it's not a natural thing uh, to talk about the weather in front of a camera. Um, and it's a little nerve wracking, whatever. But my favorite piece of advice, she came out and she said, just take a couple shots before you come in next time and loosen up. And I was like, oh, okay, well, let's do that. Um, but even in, you know, when I first started TV, uh, I remember my first interview and when I first went to Amarillo for the first time um, and the news director opened the, his like cabinet, uh, bottom cabinet drawer on his file cabinet. He goes, these are all the, the people that you beat out. So like, this is all the, the resumes that we got. And I was like, oh, it's like, so like I was better than them or something like that. And he was like, no, like you just showed the most potential. And I was like, oh, so like I'm, I'm pretty bad, right? Um, and that first year, you know, in Amarillo, weather, it's kind of like Oklahoma, like weather legitimately means life and death sometimes. Um, and I couldn't, we had five minute weather casts and I couldn't even make it through like 30 seconds without stumbling over myself. I, and the day it really just kind of clicked uh, one of our floor guys who are camera ops, uh, his name is George, funny dude. Uh, he does stand-up comedy, so pretty good, pretty funny dude. Yeah. Um, but I was just doing like a, a, a tease to the break to say like, hey, we've got this coming our way. We'll tell you about it after the break. And I stuttered over myself. Uh, and he goes, they're your words. Just, just say them. Like, they're your words. And I go, oh, that kind of makes sense. Um, and from that day, kind of got a little bit better. I don't know. You could ask some folks today and they think that I'm still a terrible meteorologist. But um, yeah, it, it's, it takes time. I think the biggest thing I tell uh, my students and my interns is that you're going to go up there and you're going to think that there's a way that you need to sound and that you should talk about the weather. And especially the hardest way, I think the hardest thing to do is talk about severe weather. But until you figure out how you specifically talk about weather and give a forecast and talk about the threats and all those things associated with it, it's going to be hard. So once you can find your voice as a, as a meteorologist, then it becomes a lot easier. Do you recall when it became just second nature to you when it not only was it smooth just to talk about the weather, but also be able to handle when a camera goes <laughs> awry because there's many of those moments you know where yeah. technology fails you um do you recall a time when even those types of those types of moments where you're kind of put it's kind of on you to hold up hold up a broadcast while production's needing to fix a problem going on you know i know i can remember times where i had to uh, i think with you or from bob bob french who uh, when he was at kbtx i remember having to give him give him like the stretch signal what have you because there's something going on and we needed him to hold hold time while we fixed it um, was there a time where even those type of moments became i don't know if easy is the right word because i don't feel like those moments are ever ever easy but at least it wasn't it yeah was really i think simple you, and smooth for you i think you kind of just do it you know like i i do a lot better on live tv than i do on recorded tv because on recorded tv i know i can screw up and like try again um so I think when you're put into a live situation, you know, you don't, you don't have the option to just stop. Right. Or like severe weather. 
you don't have the, I mean, I guess you kind of do, but you don't really have an option to, to not be on TV and to not talk about a storm. Like that's what they employ you to do. So I think when you just go in and you do it and then after a while you, you do it enough that you, you figure it out. Um, and I think it's also interesting because I, I never, I, I, I've, I've noticed going back and looking, like I go through phases, right. Um, of how I do weather, how I talk about the weather, what I say about it and things like that. So I think, you know, there's always like how you sound, but it's always kind of changing as you go through as well. We've talked a lot about the storm aspect and talking about severe, severe weather. Cause when those moments come and you have, you know, the news inter- interruption, this is really, you know, this is probably where the viewer is just most reliant on you or the, or the team team member that's doing the forecast to just to know what is happening. And for many, when a tornado warning sounds, for almost everyone else, that means take cut, you know, take cover, seek safety. For you and your team, that means it's time to go to work and have right. to go to the station. What's the process, you know, if something crazy goes on during non-news hours, is it automatically you're heading up there or are you uh, delegating like, hey, this is yeah, I need you to get up there? How's that work? It kind of depends on the setup, you know, hopefully we're good enough at our job that we can see it coming. Right. I mean, there's a couple of times when like something, especially down here, man, something will spin up and you're just like, how, how did that, you know, like, where did that come from? Um, but most of the time we staff it out. So we have somebody at the station, honestly, one of the great things about COVID, which there's not a lot of good things about COVID. Right. Um, but we've set up what you see behind me is a, a, a giant studio home studio. Um, so if the worst came to worse, I can get onto the graphics at, at work. I can, I've got a camera here. Um, so I can, I've got a, a remote, uh, microwave system. So like I can get on with a clean feed and I can, I can be in people's homes as fast as I need to. Um, if it's going to be just kind of like a severe weather day where we babysit the radar and we do maybe a couple Facebook lives, um, it just kind of depends on the shifts, but a lot of times I'm usually there. Um, and not to say that other meteorologists can't handle it. It's just, uh, it's kind of what they, I don't know. It, it, we expect us to be there. Right. So if, if it starts storming, it doesn't even have to be a severe storm. Cause I get it again. I used to be afraid of storms. So I understand big rumbles of thunder are going to scare folks. Um, so really anytime there's going to be active weather, we were there. We're on social media at the least. We're updating, you know, every hour or something through the, through the Facebook and through the, the, the weather app we have. Um, and if it's big enough, we'll, you know, but it's not severe, we'll jump on Facebook and we'll do it there. And if it's severe, we'll get on TV and we'll do it on Facebook also. And we'll do it in both places and, cave, you know, the dot com. Because, um, again, you have to go where the people are. So, yeah, TV goes out. So, you know, I think the Internet's one of the best, the best things that we've had in terms of storm coverage. Uh, so in that regard, it is, it's a lot sometimes, especially during storms, especially this last year during storm season, you know, it just seemed like there was never a break and every day we were doing long hours and, but that's part of it, man. Like weather doesn't, I've got a mug that says weather doesn't sleep. Um, and that's kind of the motto you have to go into it knowing, you know, TV doesn't have convenient hours for the most part weather definitely doesn't have convenient hours because there's always weather i woke up this morning there's a, a new tropical storm that formed overnight it's easy but i had to spend a part of my saturday morning updating the website just to get the information out there so 
it's a big world and there's a lot of weather happening. And even if it's not happening here, people still want to know about it. So um, it's interesting in that regard. It's harder now with kids also. It's a lot harder with kids. <laughs> I can imagine, I guess, what's the, what's the team, what's the team strategy uh, with, with the kiddos when it comes to needing need to make an up, need to make an update or just balancing life as a meteorologist, but also the dad. Uh, I'm lucky that my wife is very understanding um, and she kind of knew what she was signing up for. You know, we had years where we were married and dating and stuff where, you know, she saw the hours that I worked. Um, so in that regard, you know, I try to give as much of a heads up as I can and just say, Hey, you know, I think on Thursday, it's going to be a long day. I'm probably either going to miss dinner or I'm going to have to stay super late at night. So it, I am lucky that I have somebody who is understanding and willing to drop what they're doing so that, you know, the kids are taken care of kind of thing. I think that's one of the, again, and this is TV in general because TV time is built around when other families are together. So either first thing in the morning or supper time or late at night before bed. Um, so that, that is a, a, a challenge of the industry. Mm -hmm. It's almost kind of like a 20, 24 seven type type job, especially with social media now and having to constantly update. It feels like, you know, follow, you know following you on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, it's almost like another part of being a meteorologist is almost being an influencer of sorts. Did the, did the social media side and kind of creating updates, you know, or figuring out, okay, we need to make a Facebook live video. Was that something that came easily for you to kind of think about that, that side of things, or was that kind of a new, a new experience to, to learn and implement? So it slowly evolved. And then we, you know, understanding as we've gone forward, we now understand what works best on which platform, right? Cause it's not all cookie cutter. Um, and people follow you on different platforms. So they don't want to see the same thing over and over again. Um, so it's interesting to see how that evolves. Again, I like Twitter. It's it, well, let me, let me back up. I kind of have hated Twitter lately. I think as everyone does, because Twitter is just such a combative place. Um, but I like Twitter in terms of, of the updating capabilities. And the way I look at it and the way I've always kind of looked at Twitter is I'm interested in it. And most of the stuff that I post on Twitter is updates, but it's also just kind of the, the fun, cool stuff, right? So if I think, oh, that's really cool, I'm going to put it on Twitter because somebody else is going to think it's cool. Um, and you can use that space to kind of teach. Uh, Facebook is good for interacting. It's a little bit of both. It's what I do on Facebook. I interact and just kind of show my human side, but then if there's something very vital in terms of weather that you need to know, we'll put that there and we'll do the Facebook lives and stuff like that. And then Instagram is just, I, for me, like I put a little bit of weather there, but I don't think a lot of folks are on Instagram for their weather. Right. Um, so I, I look at Instagram as, as just a place where I can be a human. Because like anything, I think if you like somebody as a human, you're more prone to like, want to hear what they have to say, right? So hopefully, you know, I, people like me so that they will come and listen to a weather forecast and things like that. Um, and the other thing about social media that's great is it is a conversation and you have to look at it that way. Um, you can't just post stuff and then not engage people. Um, but what's great is that day to day, like, Yes, there's a chance for thunderstorms today. There's a chance for thunderstorms tomorrow. People will see those posts and they'll kind of just scroll past them and they'll get a brief bit of information. Um, but when we come into the big stuff, when we come into big storms, 
man, the tweets start flying and the at replies and just like pictures and videos. And that's where it's the most important because I could be standing on your TV telling you about a storm. And then I could say, hold on. Yep. I've got hail that's being reported here. I've got hail, you know, baseball hail here and this and this and this, and I can, I can send those out. Um, and it gives us a better understanding faster about what's actually happening. Cause again, it's that eyes on the actual weather that really tells us the whole story. I feel like uh, just as much post I see from you, I see equal amount replies to you of those videos from a front porch, you know, just showing a storm at someone's house or a photo of a piece of hail of some, yeah. you know, a person holding that in their hand to give context of how, how big, how big it is. And, uh, right. Yeah, and we pretty- can, we can use that to say like, Hey, look at this. This is coming your way. So like, yeah, it's cool to look at that storm on your front porch, but trust me, like you don't want baseballs tossed. You just to get inside kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's great. And I think, you know, one of the things we always talk about how it's changed. So since I first got into TV, it seems that the tornado frequencies have increased, or maybe it's like hitting places that we never had tornado reports about before, which is a little true. But a lot of it too, is that everybody now has one of these, has a phone um, and the population's becoming a little more dense. So now, you know, what used to be back in the day, uh, farmers who lived miles apart said, hey, did you see that tornado last Tuesday? And everyone's like, no, I didn't even know there was a tornado. Now it's so instantaneous that we can get multiple reports about the same storm, which is great. Earlier, we talked about kind of the interactions you encounter and that you can be out and people know your face now as just as the chief meteorologist. And that's turned into, you know, not just, you know, doing the forecast and following, but even from the time, uh, time I was there, I can remember events that you were a part of and th- things within the community, you know, just as a recognizable face of KBTX, um, yeah, to just be, be a part of the things going on within Bryan, Bryan College Station. Has there been a, a favorite non, non-weather related event as a meteorologist that you've gotten to be a part of? Oh man. Uh, I always love the food judging contests. Those are good. There was one, one time you had to cook. It was all like kind of rustic, uh, campy kind of stuff. So you had to cook everything in a Dutch oven and man, some of the best chicken fried steak I've ever had in my life came out of that Dutch oven. That was good. Um, so the food events are fun just kind of all of them. Cause again, it goes back to, especially, you know, during the COVID times and stuff like those events didn't happen. So a lot of, a lot of people won't stop and write an email uh, or tweet that says, Hey, we really appreciate what you're doing. Or like, Hey, we saw this and we really thought that was great. Most of the people we hear from are having a bad day or they just don't like what you're saying. And they, they send you some, some mean stuff. Um, those events are great because you get to interact with the people that you're helping on a daily basis that you're talking to on a daily basis. You understand what you're saying is either um, really great, or there's, there's a way to change it in order to better get the message across. Um, But just like anything, man, you like to, you like to know that people are watching and people are appreciating what you do. And you get that at those events. Like it's fun, especially when you get to talk with the kids. Um, You know, you and I both, we have traumatic memories of being a kid and weather. I think everybody has some, you know, weather's the easiest thing to talk about and weather's the thing that impacts everybody. Um, so it's fun to especially talk to the kids who are like, Hey, I see you on TV. I love weather. And you get to like 
talk with them and maybe, you know, fire that off in their brain to, to become the next meteorologist. You know, I always tell them like, Hey, you know, keep it up, learn all your math, learn all your science. And one day you can come take my job. Um, so that's fun. That's, that's, that's really why I like the events the most. I, I could imagine you mentioned that weather is one of the mo- the easiest things to talk about. It's, you know, even if you're not speaking to a meteorologist, that's probably top three small topic to, uh, uh, conversations you'd have with it, with, with anyone. And so I'm sure you're having to encountering that a lot, having to speak, speak about your profession. Is there any other areas of interest or hobbies that you have that you're you're excited to talk about if it comes up in certain companies? Uh, I'm a big Google nerd. Uh, so like in phones, phones are like my, you know, it's funny because everybody I think has like that thing that you watch on YouTube nonstop where you, you, know, you talk about like my wife's like, I don't get it. Like you'll sit there and watch a review about a phone from seven different people who are talking about the same thing. I'm like, yeah, but like you sit there and watch things about, you know, she's big into like health conscious stuff and like food and like you sit and watch the same thing, you know, everybody has that thing. Mine is technology and phones and specifically like any Google product that I can, that I can find. Um, so I'm pretty nerdy about that. Uh, and beer, I think phones and beer are my other two passions that I have. So this may be a pretty on the, pretty on the spot little, but you know, what are, top three or top five just go go to go to's at a show winkley get together like what's going to be in your cooler when uh, opens up, uh opens up. any time of year so that's that's hard because we get you got seasonals and you got of course, yeah. uh, i would say if i'm going to rank beers uh shiner cheer is my number one also don't don't at reply me and tell me that i have terrible taste in beer because i i would fight <laughs> you for that um shiner cheer is good uh, there is a beer that is made in Houston, um, by 11 below it's called hipster sauce. Uh, it got me because the can has a fish on one of those, like, you know, those old school bikes has like a tiny wheel on the back and a big wheel on the front that you see like gentlemen in hats wearing, uh, it's a fish in a, in a top hat riding the bike. So it's the can that got me. Um, I'm a standard white dude. So like any IPA that you can find, I, I would probably <laughs> drink. Um, and then I've really, my, my coat. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, when you said standard white guy, I was waiting to hear like white cloth. Truly. Oh no, God, no. <laughs> so, absolutely so. not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. IPAs. I, IPAs. Um, and my COVID project, uh, was to learn to like sour beers and over the year of being stuck at home, that's what I did. So now like I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I, I would drink sours. I like the smoothie beers, which are kind of fruity. Uh, which starts venturing into maybe the white claw, you know, the <laughs> disapproval area, but I, I, I like them. Um, but really I don't discriminate on any kind of beer. Like if you've got a beer and you want to share and have a conversation over, I'm happy to do it. Uh, I will say if we're watching, maybe doing some tailgating for some fighting Texas Aggie football uh, and judge me all you want for this, uh, a natter day, you ever had a natter day? Yeah, there you go. Those are uh, <laughs> those are pretty solid. Um, so that's usually that and Lone Star are my my two tailgating kind of beers. <laughs> yes, Lone Star, Miller High Life, the champagne, champagne yeah. of beers, Some PBR so. maybe. You know, they they don't hand out blue ribbons to just anybody. So <laughs> they don't. They don't. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we I mentioned in the intro that you get to give 
the forecast for Kyle Field, you know, before each game, the forecast co- comes up. Um, since you've started that, um, has there been any special access you've gotten to have with, you know, with the team or experiences just as the weatherman getting uh, get to be a part of that? So it's it's fun. So the, the Jumbotron part is um, really something that's worked out between KBTX and Aggie Athletics, right? Like we're the official Aggie sports station. So we get to be the official Aggie forecast, right? So we get to do that, which is great. That, that was kind of one of my goals. Like I always wanted to work in College Station, be on the Jumbotron, stuff like that. Uh, but what has, I think, been the most uh, rewarding part is there was, a, there was a game, it was a season opener. It was the first year that half of Kyle Field was finished. So they imploded the east side, or the, was it the west side? The west side. Uh, imploded the west side, the, the alumni side. Um, so it was the first game, half renovated Kyle Field. Team runs out, fireworks go off, and then team runs back in. And there was a storm on the south side of Brazos County. So the way it works is that it's an eight-mile radius. If there's lightning within an eight-mile radius, you have to suspend play, and you have to wait 30 minutes after the last lightning strike. So in the summertime around here, you get storms that pop up, sit for a long time. Um, so we had one on the south side of Brazos County, and when that one finally went down, we had one that popped up on the north side of Brazos County. Um, sunny. The entire time over Kyle Field, not once was there, you know, any kind of rain on Kyle uh, and cell phone service back then. It's not like today where everyone's cell phones work at Kyle Field. So like even I didn't know what was happening, um, but it was that game that uh, A&M called. And so now I have the opportunity to work with the team. Um, so I'll, I'll give forecasts through the week and then day of if it looks like there might be some active weather that's going to slow down play. Uh, I have what I like to call my private suite which is uh, a tiny, very tiny closet made of cinder blocks. Uh, but I have a TV, so that's great. Um, and I go down there and I, I watch the radar. And if there's something that looks like it's going to drift into that, you know, we have a radius that we alert A&M. Then there's kind of a smaller radius that we start alerting coaching staff that there might be a weather delay. And then you get your eight mile radius. Um, and what I can do with that now, again, because we have technology that tells us where the, the lightning is. And we've, we've had that for a long time, but now having me at games um, gives that human aspect to say like, yes, there's lightning here, but I think we'll be safe as long as it stays skirting this, you know, whatever. Um, so I can add that perspective to it. Uh, it's very important to note. Uh, I don't cancel the games. I don't have that power. Uh, I, was the game, <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. No, yeah. No, yeah. So, so again, hard, fast rule, eight mile radius. You have to stop. Um, that's NCAA rules. Um, once the game clock has started, that all falls squarely on the officials. So even AM doesn't control that. Um, so the officials are the one. So next time that there's a weather delay, again, don't at me. <laughs> this is all on the officials. Um, but it is good to have somebody there who can be a liaison between AM, the officials, you know, if we need to evacuate the, the, the stadium. We can hopefully do that in a timely manner. Um, I'm talking with the weather service back and forth. So that's been a fun part of the job. Uh, what's scary about that is the, the cinder block room that I'm in has a metal door. And that metal door faces the tunnel that the cannon is at. So when that cannon goes off, which again, I'm watching on TV, so it's delayed, right? When that cannon goes off, the reverb of it, like from the back of the cannon, hits that metal door, which I'm sitting right next to. And oh man, there's gosh. been a couple of times like I've like fallen out of my seat <laughs> um, because of it. But 
so that's kind of, it, it's a lot of fun to be able to do that. Um, TV is great, but man, how cool is it to be an Aggie that gets to go back and like be part of Aggie athletics and like help with a forecast. And, you know, I do that on active days and on the quiet days, I get to say like, Hey, weather's going to be good. And then I get to go tailgate and I get to watch the game and it's a good time. So we've talked about, yeah, in the span of your career, how much the technology and science has evolved. I guess looking back from your career, from being an intern to now the chief meteorologist, for for you personally, what has been something that, that you've learned, you know, that you've learned that's kind of carry, just carried throughout your career, whether that be from how you conduct yourself at, you know, as a meteorologist or from a TV perspective? That's deep. Uh, that's a tough one. I feel like that's a philosophical question almost. <laughs> um, I think I'm never... And this is kind of, this goes into to the weather world completely. Um, but I think we're always learning how to message it, right? So it used to be, you watch this person on TV, they told you what the weather was going to be like, and that's what you got. Um, now people, you know, you learn a lot again, because information's right at your fingertips. So I think just how we, we, we tell you what the weather is going to do and making it more impact-based I think that's been the most important change personally as a meteorologist, um, understanding how people ingest the information. Um, and if maybe we got the forecast, right. But people say, we didn't know it was going to storm like this today. Then honestly, we didn't do a good job telling you how that storm was going to impact you. Right. So I think that's, that's maybe been the biggest change is how we get the message across, why we get the message across. And, um, I think just trying, trying to be better to everybody that's watching more or less. I don't know if that really answered the question, but hopefully something. No, that, that, came out there. that was great. We went, you know, we went deep there. We'll come back to end it on a lighthearted note. Uh, when I was there, I remember at the end of the year, the station would like to show a video and it was essentially a blooper reel of uh, little mishaps uh, throughout the year. Do you have, do you have a favorite blooper of yours that, that's like a go-to story, story to tell with friends. Uh, my first time ever on TV, I, it was a Saturday morning. Like nobody was watching. It was, you know, one of those like Saturday morning cut-ins. So that's why they put me on my first time on TV there. Uh, but our weather center in Amarillo, you had to step up and down. Like the weather center was raised. So you had to step down to get to the green screen. So here I am trying to like back my way off a of camera. Uh, and I trip, I fall. So on camera, you hear like a, like you hear the thud, right? Um, that was pretty good. Uh, one time I tried to say nippy on TV, like, hey, it's pretty nippy uh, outside. Uh, and I said nipply and my anchors didn't help at all. They were just both like, I was like, uh, what did I say? Didn't even realize it. Um, there, man, there's just, there's a lot. There's, it, and when you're young, like it's hard to come back by. Now I say stupid stuff on TV every day. So like, whatever, like that's right. So they can tell interns, I'm like, you know, you're, it's inevitable. You're going to say something stupid. So just like, just roll with it go with it. Uh, I think my biggest fear sneezing. I've never sneezed on TV. That is my biggest okay. fear is that I'm going to sneeze on TV. Nice. Nice. I think that, uh, from my experience with you and then watch, and watch you now, I think that's always something that I've thought you're really gifted at is if there's a slip slip up big or small, I think that's one of your best qualities is to be able to 
lead into it, you know, maybe like acknowledge, acknowledge something happened and make, you know, make light of it instead of trying to like pretend it didn't happen or yeah. move forward. Cause that brings kind of more of a, as you say, like kind of like a human element. Um, right. You're, it make, you're not a, overall makes the broadcast probably more entertaining. Yeah. You're not a machine. So if you can, you know, if I, I'm going to say something stupid, like I'm going to stop and be like, well, that was dumb or whatever, you know? Um, and in the end of the day, most of that stuff now makes great stuff for social media too. So um, it's fun. Whether we talk about this all the time uh, in, in the newsroom. So like this year, February was terrible, right? <laughs> like that was, that was snow and ice that nobody wanted and never, never once again. But before that in January, we had like a nice fun, fluffy snow that everyone was going to be excited about. And I kept, I kept telling the newsroom, like, we don't need to treat this like this is going to kill everybody. Like this is going to be a fun snow. Um, so that's the thing. Most of the time, like weather's not at its absolute worst. Right. So have fun with it. If you can't, then like you should do something else because if you're not having fun, then what are you doing? Right. Well said. Great insight. Well, we like to wrap up each podcast with, uh, with two, two questions um, that, that we ask each guest. So we'll wrap, wrap it up here. Um, so the first question for you is uh, what is a moment from your life that made you feel like the coolest person in the world? Uh, I think the first time I was on the Jumbotronic outfield, probably. That's it. There you go. Perfect answer. So, and then uh, the sec the second one is just what is the last what's the last thing, big or small, that brought you joy? Like the very last thing before we started talking today. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it could be. I further further. Down I, line, I got to. Uh, again, my wife went out of town and I got to spend a solid 24, 36 hours with my, my kids, just being a dad and not worrying about the rest of the world. Uh, and that was, that was a lot of fun. Awesome. Um, perfect way to end it. Amazing conversation. Very, very educational. Always love it when I get to allow our audience to, to learn, to learn something, um, today. And I learned, I learned a lot. So thank you for giving us a glimpse into your into your world and how how things go in the world of meteor, meteorology and uh, yeah this was awesome so thank you so much for coming on absolutely at kbtx shell find me tweet me hateful things tweet me fun things whatever let's just let's just chat yes kbtx shell so send send them away so until next time uh, yeah I'll talk to you here soon.